Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Computer Weekly Downtime Upload Podcast. I'm Cliff Sarin and my guest today is Charles Beadnell, CTO of GoDaddy, who I hope will be giving us a little insight into how GoDaddy uses experimentation. But to get things started, Charles, uh, could you give us a little background about yourself, please? Sure. Uh, I've been with GoDaddy for uh, almost 10 years now, about half of that time uh, as the chief technology officer, and have been working across a number of technology, internet infrastructure, you know, related roles Mm. for uh, a number of years now. Oh, right. Uh, 10 years is a long time as CTO. I mean, if we look back and say, well, what what was I doing 10 years ago? Well, I'll tell you what we were covering in technology. Uh, You know, there was... I think the cloud was starting to happen. I mean, some would argue that, you know, the the cloud was there, but, you know, people take a long time to start adopting things. And it was the early days of that from just from the the things that we were reporting on and writing on. I think there was a lot of industry hype. And, you know, you you look at these sort of where things go and where things are today. Uh, Certainly, we weren't talking about advances in AI. That is what we talk about today. But we were talking about things in the cloud. And I know this is this conversation is all about experimentation. Uh, but it's interesting to watch the pace of industry and the pace of change in the industry, particularly given that you've been in the same job effectively for 10 years. Uh, and I guess it must be quite hard to keep track of all of the exciting things that are going on. Yeah, and just to be clear, I've been CTO for about half of that time that mm. I've been a go. Um, but yeah, and I think we've certainly been talking about you know AI uh, and uh, you know different aspects of it for you know a number of decades. You know at this point, but obviously I think the pace of change is increasing rapidly. Uh, you know, ten years ago uh, we were building you know, graph databases uh, you know, before GoDaddy. You know that were basically categorizing information. That would make retrieval, you know, more easily to accomplish, uh, and and obviously over the past, especially five years, uh, machine learning, neural networks have really taken off and really provided a practical implementation that can be adopted by a number of different companies. And so I think that pace of change and the readiness to use, um, there's obviously been a lot of research uh, in the field, but I think you know the key aspect, you know, for us is finding that inflection point where something starts to become practical you know to adopt in a number of different areas across the company and that that's obviously uh you know happening in, in a significant way uh, at this point uh, mm. obviously it has been for four or five years now with neural networks uh and i think now uh with uh, large language models you know obviously chat gpt is a you know, big example of that um it's starting to come to the forefront such that it can be a, a practical use for a lot of different implications. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking about what, what, what you just said, and um, it's about AI, yes, of course, has been around for decades, but it, it has only become part of popular culture almost. Uh, I mean, apart from like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is you know, <laughs> Terminator. Uh, um, but uh, in terms of people really talking about it, you know, the big newspapers uh, talking about this stuff on a daily basis, uh, that's only happened quite recently. And I think that influences 
what IT leaders have to do. They may know about the technology, but if their CEO is saying, "Hey, I read about this thing. It, what, what are we doing? What, what are we doing with it?" It, it suddenly it, it suddenly becomes uh, quite an important thing to start looking at, even though it's been around a long time. You you should have an answer when your boss says, "Hey, what what's our what's our story on AI?" Absolutely, and I think it's clearly evolving to the point where tools are becoming more and more readily available. You know, again, going back a few years, uh, you know, you could handcraft your own neural network. Mm. Uh, obviously, tools that have streamlined that, you know, kind of democratizing that, you know, across, uh, you know, uh, for data scientists and things like that, and and obviously, increasingly at this point. Uh, you know, it's it's an API that you can call from almost any program. Obviously, there are some implications, you know, of doing that right now. Uh, I think like Samsung just uh, uh, open sourced their software inadvertently, mm. uh, you know, by uh, sharing that. Uh, so I, I think there's certainly uh, it's evolving at such a rapid pace that uh, it definitely takes a fair amount of oversight to ensure that that's being done, you know, in an effective way. Okay, so we've we've talked a little bit about AI, but let's just broaden it uh, and back to the original topic of conversation, which is experimentation. Um, what what is what's your definition of experimentation? Let's start with so so at least we're we're singing off the same hymn sheet. Yeah, so I mean, it's I think very simply, it's kind of applying the scientific method to software development. So you have a hypothesis, mm. you test that hypothesis, you know, with an expected data point, and then you run the experiment and you evaluate the outcomes, you know, with a control and a, an experimental group such that you can compare uh, the outcomes against your hypothesis. Mm. So it, that, it's really, I think, pretty simple, at least in, in terms of like what the uh, intention is. Um, I think it's a little bit more uh, difficult in terms of practice because it is a giant mindset shift for uh, product management and engineering. Uh, it's not something that I think comes as naturally uh, to to how many uh, teams operate today. Gosh, I mean, going back to uh, days in school when we had to write up science experiments and the final part of writing up after you get your results is the conclusion. Uh, right. you know, this is what we learned from this experiment. Um, I don't know if there, I mean, there's, there's probably different ways of describing what that is, but certainly it doesn't seem to be a very formal approach to proving, you know, what, what you proved from your, the, the piece of code that you wrote or, 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 the, or the piece of the software project that you were doing. Would you agree? Or do you think there is much more f formality in it? Um, I, I guess the, the approach that we have taken is to understand what the expected outcome is. Like mm. if you're writing a piece of code, uh, because I'll use an example, you think that it's going to make it easier for a customer to edit their hours of doing business, mm. uh, you know, you should know at the end of writing that code that it actually did what it was supposed to do. Yes. And so you need to know all right, the amount of time that it takes someone to complete, you know, setting up their hours, you know, of doing business mm. and you measure that and you can run, you know, the experiment where you run half the folks, you know, doing it the old way, half the folks doing it the new way, mm. watch it until you have statistically significant, you know, data to compare and look and see was that successful or not. And, and that is very different, I think, than many teams operate. I think oftentimes it's, hey, we're going to make this thing better and we just go off and we do it, and then we 
kind of hope that it works. <laughs> and, and maybe we do some anecdotal measurement that, yeah, you know, somebody said good things about it or seems like it's working. But if you don't actually collect the data in terms of how long it takes for the particular action to conclude and you make the change, it, it's kind of, I, I call it the myth of the infallible product manager, you know, such that we're doing a set of things. We're doing A and then we're doing B and then we're doing C and it should make the product better, but we don't actually know that. And I think one of the things that I find really powerful about experimentation is that it's almost like uh, a, a colleague calls it crack for engineers. Uh, because as an engineer, you do things and you kind of want to know that the work that you did, editing the code, modifying it, rolling it out, actually had a benefit to the customer. And so here we have a method that basically empirically tells you, yes, that worked or no, it didn't. And so that's a learning uh, experience that we can take and build uh, an, a second iteration that hopefully will be better and measure mm -hmm. that as well. Uh, so, so can we drill down a little bit in how this works in practice at GoDaddy? Yeah, I think one of the things that we learned early on uh, was that we needed a, I'll call it a platform for collecting data. Uh, I think trying to you know, ask a number of teams to run experiments where each team might be collecting data in a very different way uh, is kind of mind-bogglingly hard uh, because, I mean, you are talking about statistics and making sure that the data that you collect you know, is relevant. Uh, and so we basically set out to build a platform using obviously some external tools to, to put things together, hmm. uh, but have a tool that basically we can instrument our experiences such that we are collecting data you know, out of the overall customer experience. So whether they click on a button, uh, could be the cash register, you know, numbers, uh, all of these different aspects, and then being able to tag a particular experience as experiment B, prime, you know, et cetera, such that we can then correlate the data on the back end mm. to be able to assess those experiments. So I, I'd say that was kind of step number one, was to have a common framework and basis for uh, data collection such that we could then use that uh, to share you know, across the different business units. And, and obviously this is a large scale cultural change. So I think um, we've always looked at the Cotter framework for leading change, uh, you know, obviously having a sense of urgency, building a guiding coalition, you know, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. This is something that, you know, we definitely promoted at an executive level that there's a benefit in experimentation in that making even small changes can have a large cumulative benefit. Uh, and so we really drove that across teams. Uh, obviously we built a common framework for this. And, and then obviously there's a stage at which it starts to catch hold and you want to you know, both accelerate that and sustain it over time. And we've uh, built mechanisms uh, to review experiments across the company uh, to share best practices, uh, things of that nature. Uh, and, and today we're running, you know, somewhere on the order of around 200 experiments per month. And it could be, you know, all different types of experiments, everything from UX changes to pricing changes uh, and everything in between. Mm, okay. Um, I mean, it does seem that, although you haven't said it, that there's agile somewhere in there. Is there agile going on? Absolutely. And and I actually think of experimentation, you know, as a 
more <laughs> scientific version of Agile mm. uh, because ultimately, yeah, you've got your sprint, you set out to do a set of things. Uh, and I think experimentation is really kind of that final step where you measure the outcome, you know, of your, uh, you know, set of work. And, and I think in many agile shops, I mean, there's the kind of the five person team where it's, it's I mean, almost like an anarchic, you know, team where, you know, there is one, uh, kind of, uh, customer who evaluates that code. In our case, we have 20 million customers who are interacting with our site, you know, purchasing our products, interacting with those products, using the products. And so being able to take measurements and data from across those different experiences is really a mechanism to help aid you know, in that customer assessment of the work that you've done, which I yeah, absolutely think of it. This is a iteration maybe you know, on Agile. Mm. Okay, well, I, I want to move on a little bit if I may. Um, now, I mean, uh, among the things that uh, has happened to Go GoDaddy recently is there was the SEC filing uh, in December, which highlighted uh, a, uh, a security breach. Now, I mean, I don't want to drill down that that's already in the SEC filing, right? But um, what I'm interested in is where experimentation fits alongside security. Yeah, and I think experimentation is a relatively kind of controlled chaos. And I think obviously one of the important things with security is to make sure that you have controls, you know, of what you are deploying, uh, you know, how you are monitoring. And I think if anything, running experiments is helpful in terms of quantifying and classifying the types of code that you're rolling out the impact to customers and and better understanding you know how that uh it rolls out hmm. um is there I, I mean are are you working on uh secure by design i mean that's what that's a buzz phrase i think but uh, that way of thinking about coding and shift left and passing things back to you know towards the towards the developers and uh, on the in, on the in devops to to make sure that you have as higher quality of code as possible. Yes, I mean, I think in general, we're experimenting with a number of different techniques and obviously it, it, it varies a little bit, you know, based on the teams at this point, hmm. but we've definitely taken security extremely seriously. I mean, we've about tripled the level of investment that we've made uh, in security as a company over the past uh, few years. And it is something that I think uh, if, if I look at the most challenging areas for us, it's really in places where we allow arbitrary code from customers, mm. uh, because ultimately that allows arbitrary code from good customers and maybe customers that, uh, you know, are, are a little bit less ethical. Uh, and, and I think that that's really, uh, you know, an area for us to continue to evolve. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, go, go, going back to AI, actually, um... I saw an interesting um, experiment with uh, generative AI. It was, uh, I mean, it was based on ChatGPT. They were they were doing code analysis, uh, and the conclusion of that experiment was that uh, ChatGPT is as good as a junior programmer, not not at writing code necessarily, but at spotting uh, errors in code. Uh, which is, a, you know, it's a helping hand. It's not going to replace the programmer, but it will uh, 
I mean, lucky you use a compiler to identify syntax errors in your programs, right? Uh, perhaps uh, maybe one day we'll be using a, an intelligent compiler that, you know, will analyze the source code and figure out, well, you know, these things shouldn't be there because, you know, you've got a, you know, potential buffer overflow or whatever. Uh, I mean, do you see other opportunities for such technology? I mean, not just the, the, the things that can read text, but, you know, AI in helping us to pro pr produce more secure code. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's a logical first step not to just go off and write the code in the first place, but rather, uh, you know, accelerate, uh, evaluate, make sure that the code that is being written is at a higher level of quality. And, mm. and so we are experimenting with a number of different uh, techniques, you know, where we are using AI to uh, basically be that pair programmer, you know, to uh, make sure that we are writing higher quality code. I think that's a very logical uh, first step. Um, obviously, there are a lot of possible uh, implications as well for delivering, you know, for customer experiences, you know, as well. I think that that is an area. I think all of these areas, and again, Samsung being this latest example where it has to be managed in terms of uh, making sure that the source code doesn't end up, you know, on the uh, open internet. But uh, mm. absolutely, this is an opportunity for us to make measured. Uh, you know, kind of experiments, you know, down that path. And again, I think that's something that we take even into the development process such that uh, take a few teams, experiment with the technology, report back if it works, you know, more broadly adopted. Uh, and, and so I think we're taking that approach uh, with a lot of these AI uh, mechanisms as well. Hmm. Um, the I just want to ask you one final thing, really. And uh, I mean, you've touched on it a few times, but uh, so, I mean, you have you have this platform, is, it a, is that fair to say? Is it a sort of platform that you use for your experimentation? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. we call it Hotline, but it's it's yeah, it's basically uh, both the system that tags different experiences, variant A, variant B, uh, as well as collecting the data on the back end and presenting that predominantly to product uh, managers, such that they can understand what the impacts are, you know, of the changes that were written in the code. I guess it's just a discussion, really, on how. I mean, is that particular platform a, a sort of USP at GoDaddy, or is it something that at some point you would either productize or you you would make you know available in say the open source community? Yeah, and and we actually have already taken steps to open source pieces of it. Um, uh, and we had started, you know, building on top of Split.io, and so some of the uh, components that uh, tag uh, our experiments, they are already out in the open source uh, community. It's also something that we've been working with a couple of other technology providers. It's, it's something that we would love to see more of uh, in the overall community. I think a lot of larger companies, you know, the Microsofts and Googles uh, and Yahoo's, um, you know, et cetera, have all built things like this, uh, but I do think that it is something uh, that uh, is definitely of value. And it, it doesn't have to be uh, fancy. Uh, you know, I think we obviously are running a pretty large scale of experiments. Um, there are tools out on the market, depending on exactly what type of experiment, if it's mostly uh, UX related, um, you know, it's optimizely. There are other tools, you know, available, Split.io. Um, so the, the, there are tools out there and available, I think for our particular 
uses across the variety of different experiences that we provide. Uh, it is something that we did make uh, an investment in. And again, we have open source part of that. Uh, and again, we're it, it, it's not something that we think of as the technology itself as being uh, significant intellectual property. I think the the bigger benefit for the company is really the cultural change mm. you know, around it, such that we're able to constantly drive improvement and iteration across all these different experiences. And it's something that we can share across the product and engineering disciplines such that folks are motivated, incentivized to build, you know, ever better experiences. And it can be really small things. Uh, you know, an engineer might have an itch that he wants to scratch and thinks, hey, if I did this thing, it'll result in this outcome. And if by quantifying what that expected outcome was, that can get the overall effort prioritized. Oh, I didn't realize that making that change would have such a high impact on mm. whatever it is, uh, completion rates or... Uh, you know, financial results or things like that, such that it, it also helps, you know, even in terms of kind of sprint planning and things of that nature, uh, because you are putting a quantity uh, against, you know, the proposal such that you can uh, then prior help prioritize it. So I, I think that that's really been the intellectual property, if anything, uh, of Godet is really building that culture. Fantastic. Well, Charles, thank you ever so much. And thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.